Welcome back to another edition of the N1 Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Injury, and I come on here once a week to talk to you guys about all things NBA, along with a guest. Today, I have a special guest. Uh, I've actually been a guest on two of his podcasts now. He is the host of the Blog Boys Pod, Malik, or excuse me, Malik Cooper. I about said his name. He was actually the guest on my last podcast. This is Abu Kamara. Excuse me for that. Uh, what's up, Abu? Nothing much, man. I'm uh, I'm glad to be uh, on on episode of M One Pod, man. I've been keeping track of your stuff, so glad to finally get a chance awesome. to uh, talk about all with you. Oh yeah, sorry for almost saying Malik Cooper's name. No, Malik's a good friend of mine. You're a good friend of mine, Abu. I love having you on. I love being a guest on your podcast. Um, but uh, real quick before we get into today's episode, if you guys have any questions, uh, make sure to DM me on Instagram at the N One Podcast. My DMs are always open, and I'm always willing to answer any NBA-related questions or just anything to do with the podcast. So it is currently July 4th, 2018. Uh, happy Independence Day. Go light off some fireworks. Have some fun. Be safe. Um, this is Season 1, Episode 4 of the podcast. The title of today's podcast is called Woj Bombs. For those of you that don't know what Woj is, he is the main NBA insider for ESPN, and his reports have always been 100% true. He never lies to you. So Woj's full name is Adrian Wojnowski, uh, Woj for short, and people gave his reports a nickname as well, calling them Woj Bombs, which are big moves that happen in the NBA world that Woj reports. So if that all makes sense, awesome. That is the title of today's episode, Woj Bombs. Um, so we'll be covering those that happened here in the first few days of free agency, starting with Paul George. So Paul George re-signed with Oklahoma City Thunder on a four-year deal. I saw it coming. A lot of people thought he was going to L.A. Abu, give me your thoughts on that. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Marco. Actually, I've been saying if, if, like, on my previous podcast, and if you look into that, the Hoops Head podcast, I talked a lot with um, some Laker fans who were telling me for, like, the past year or so, oh, he's coming to L.A. for sure. It's like a one-year rental. He's coming. And I kept saying, are you sure about that? Seems like he likes playing there. He might be back. I will admit, I wasn't expecting him to sign a four-year deal. That was a little bit longer than I expected. I thought maybe he could take, like, a two-year deal, like a player option, and then maybe go back and free agency at that point. But I did expect him to re-sign. I'm happy that – especially if you look at the way, like, the, the league is kind of shifting. A lot of guys are teaming up to make super teams. I really thought for sure he was going to go over to L.A. with the potential cap space they had to make, a, you know, another super team over there. But glad he stayed t- true to the Thunder, who I think did good by him. And – um it, I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what the Thunder are going to do this year. I agree. I think that the Thunder treated him very well. He definitely was in a good spot. Uh, I thought he was going to, you know, go on the LeBron James route and maybe sign a one-year deal along with a player option, uh, you know, type deal and get the most money he can and then kind of see how this next year goes because I feel like Russell Westbrook was kind of, you know, letting Paul George know that they have something special going on and that there might be a championship here in the next couple of years if they keep it up which is not true, but, you know, that's a good pitch to your one of your buddies to make that, you know, ho- hopefully he stays. So I definitely thought he was going to sign a one-year deal with a player option maybe. But, no, that four-year deal, I I did not think he was sticking around for the long run. And and now all these other big signings we'll get to later in the podcast, it's a little rough on Paul George's part. Well, and I guess another thing I, will, I thought that came to my head, once I saw Paul George had re-signed, now I'm wondering – what do they do about Melo? Melo picked up his player option. He's still sticking around. But if you listen to Paul George talk and listen to Russell Westbrook talk, they mention really trying to win a championship. They mention each other. They mention the front office. But they don't really mention Melo. So I'm wondering, are they going to waive him? They're going to stretch his contract. 
They're trying to trade him. I feel like something's in the works to try to get Melo off his team. What do you think about that? And I, I agree. Uh, I think that they should definitely be getting rid of Melo. He accepted his player option, so that means he has one year left on his contract. I'm, I'm glad they're not bringing up Melo in talks about, you know, their friendship and, and winning a championship because they need to get rid of his money. Melo wants a lot of money. He always has. He always will. And he doesn't fit very well into their scheme. If they say play him at the four, I just don't think he fits well there. Maybe they play him at the three, move PG to the two, but I still feel like that messes up things. I think that the best option for the Oklahoma City Thunder 100% is get rid of Melo and all the money that he wants in the near future. But the thing is, even if they buy him out, like, do you think – what I keep asking whenever I talk to anyone about basketball is, like, is Melo even – there anyone else that can use Melo at this point? Because he looks kind of washed now. And I just don't know if there's anyone else that at this point can use Melo's skills. I think if there's a team with an excessive amount of money that need a small forward, pick up Melo. I think that, like I said, he didn't fit well into the Oklahoma City Thunder, like, scheme, you know, offense – and where he had to be placed, you know, whether it was come off the bench, which he didn't want, so they had to play him at the four, sometimes the three or whatever. Uh, I think if there's a team that is in need of a small forward and that has an excessive amount of money, pick up Melo. I think he's still got a little bit left in the tank here in the next couple of years. But keep in mind, he's going to want a lot of money. Money that he's not really worth anymore. Right, correct. He's not worth as much money as he wants. So that's a big deal for future teams that, you know, might want to pick him up, so – he might have to lower his expectations. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see if he will, just because just looking like just knowing Melo, as you said, and his personality and his pride, I just think it'd be very shocking to me if Melo all of a sudden is willing to, you know, accept a low contract, come off the bench, and kind of do those things that you see a lot of aging veterans do. Right. And and then with Demarcus Cousins taking the five million dollar deal to go play with Golden State, that's exactly what Melo might have to do if he wants to get his ring. You know, DeMarcus Cousins is doing it because he his career, you know, with that injury might be on a downhill slide after this. You know, I saw a statistic saying 30% of athletes with that injury come back just fine, but the other 70% not so much. We'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, you know, Melo might have to take that pay cut if he wants his ring. Yeah, but see, Melo, at this point, he's like, what, 34, 35? If he was to take that pay cut, I'm cool with it. Not as cool as DeMarcus Cousins doing it, but as you said, we'll get into that a little bit later. Right. So um, if that's all you got on Melo, I was going to move on to the next uh, free agent signing. All right, let's do it. All right, uh, Chris Paul signed his major deal worth $160 million over four years, uh, re-signing with the Houston Rockets. Any thoughts on that, Abu? Um, so initially when I saw it, I was like, I was excited because the Rockets were ostensibly the greatest, uh, the, the best team in this regular season. They had the most, the highest wins, and they were very close to um, taking out the Golden State Warriors, as well as being, like, if you look at the numbers, one of the best offensive teams of all time. But the issue with me and the Rockets now is then after they got Chris Paul, I hear that Trevor Reza, they lost Trevor Reza to the Suns for $15 million. And a lot of people say, oh, Trevor Reza, he's like, what, the third or fourth best guy? They'll be all right. Trevor Rees, I think, is a big cog to what they did defensively and offensively. He and that he could hit threes and he was could play different positions on defense and play into a switchy defensive scheme. And now when they lose Ariza, even though they keep Paul, um, I think our automatically the team is already weaker there because you lost one of those cogs you had and that depth that you had that was able to go against the Warriors. And then you look at the contract assigned Paul, they were able to save, they didn't do the five year match, which is good because by that fifth year he'd be like 37, 38. Right. And from a lot of smaller point guards at that point. They, they really have deteriorated their skills. 
But even that four-year contract, by the end of that contract, as good as Chris Paul is and as good as he's been at competing against Father Time, it, it Father Time is undefeated. And eventually it's going to get to Chris Paul's skills as well, and he's going to deteriorate a little as well. So by the end of that contract, they might regret having paid him that max money for four whole years. Okay. Um, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Uh, we'll start off with Trevor Reza. I think he was definitely worth the $15 million that he got paid in Phoenix. A great 3 and D player. Fills his role very well, even with his age, like I said, deserved that money. Um, fit very well into the Rockets' offensive and defensive team. Would have been a great guy to bring back, but, you know, maybe he really wanted that $15 million in which he couldn't get in Houston because Houston made the their two priorities – re-signing Chris Paul, re-signing Clint Capella. And today a report came out saying that the Houston Rockets are expected to match any offer that Clint Capella gets here in the next few days, which is great. Chris Paul and Clint Capella mm-hmm. should be prior- main priorities over a guy like Trevor Ariza, obviously. But uh, And then moving over to Chris Paul now, I think a four-year deal is perfect. Uh, four, in four years, Chris Paul should be 37, 37 and a half around there. And then I think by then, wherever he's at, maybe he signs a one-year player option with Houston if they still – you know, if things are still working out by that time, that's four years down the road. But uh, I think four year, a four-year deal was perfect. Right at the end of his career, maybe he retires. Maybe he gets a ring in Houston, then he's done. Or maybe he comes back on a one-year deal just to finish off his career. You know, maybe signs with, with the Pelicans to finish off his career. I, I don't know. But I think it was a perfect deal for Chris Paul. Well-deserved money. Still a top three point guard in the league uh, with his age and, and um, you know, and all the money he's being paid with him getting older, but I, I think that he definitely deserved it. A uh, great signing by Houston. So, and then, yeah, my next topic was going to be Trevor reason that $15 million that Phoenix gave him. Um, Phoenix actually, actually used all of their cap to sign just Trevor Ariza. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, on one hand, I would just like to point out that in general, I don't really know what Phoenix is doing and I don't really know if Phoenix knows what Phoenix is doing. However, um, in this situation, they use all their cap, but I mean, I don't think it really was that bad because like um, I don't think who was Phoenix going to sign with that money anyway. I don't think a lot of big free agents were jumping to go play for Phoenix. Right. That's why they had to like pay 50 million for Trevor Ariza to get some um, kind of good, uh, still quality rotation players, but not like stars to join Phoenix. And that also what, what helps Phoenix is that they already have like young talent at every position. So honestly, all they really need to do is fill the rest of the roster out with some veterans um, who can kind of show these guys the ropes. Right. But they have um, Devin Booker, who reportedly is about to get extension, a max contract extension. So they have Devin Booker for another, like, five years. But they have Devin Booker. They have uh, Bender. They have DeAndre Ayton. They have um, – I think they just got Miles Bridges as well in the draft. And then they also already had uh, Josh Jackson and Marquise Chris. So they have just young talent. I think every little, every single position except for point guard, so really, it's fine. Like as much, it's not great to cap out your your to use all your cap space that early in free agency. But when you have a young talent at every position, you can kind of afford to. Right, and and uh, I thought, you know, I thought that they maybe should use that money to go out and snag Isaiah Thomas for that fifteen million dollars if they could. Um, they need a they're in need of a point guard. They went out and got rid of Tyler Eulis, and that really made Devin Booker mad as he was his best friend. Was what the reports were saying. Then the next day, boom, mm. Devin Booker's in talks for a max extension. That's great. Phoenix needs Devin Booker. He's their franchise player at the moment. And then they go and sign a small four. They already have Mikel Bridges, who they just drafted, and then Josh Jackson. And then they bring in Trevor Ariza. Now, I like Trevor Ariza. Um, you know, if he needs to, he can play the four. Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender aren't that great. Allen Williams, not a starting power forward, in my opinion. Um, 
and then Aiton at the five. So maybe move Ariza to the four, switch around Jackson and Mikel Bridges at the three and work something out. But I think it would have been a better option to go out and snag a, a starting point guard. They're in need of a point guard. I agree with you there. Because also we're also forgetting that I think they, I believe they still also have TJ Warren at small forward spot Correct. under contract. Correct. Um, and so – it, it really – and also, is, is Jared Dudley still there? Or do they trade him? I can't Jared recall. Dudley is there. He's got one year left on his contract. Yeah, so at this point, they have a lot of small forwards. They got a lot of forwards. So it just really doesn't make sense to spend that cash space they had on another forward. So I agree with you there. I think they should have t- at least taken a flyer on Isaiah Thomas because if he does return to form with that young team, that could be kind of interesting to see what what they could do in the, in, in the Western Conference. And, and, I, and I kind of been predicting – I'll say it here. I'm kind of predicting that Isaiah Thomas will kind of bounce back a little bit this year. Obviously not to that MVP level, but I am expecting him to have a much better year overall health-wise and just like stats-wise and game-wise than he did last year when he was recovering from that, uh, that hip injury. I agree. I think it would have been perfect for Phoenix to pick him up on a $15 million deal. Um, truly an all-star caliber player if he comes back, as most people think he will, into that that old Isaiah form, but not exactly the MVP form, like you said, but it would have been a perfect, a great snag in the free agent uh, in free agency to, to get him on a $15 million deal. You know, if he liked his time in Phoenix and would have agreed they, they have a young core, like we said, you know, bringing some veterans like the Lakers are doing and, and Phoenix is on the right track, but they went out and grabbed Trevor Ariza, which I, I'm not too sure about that one. Yeah, um, I'm with you there. Um, I didn't even think about it until you pointed it out. But, yeah, just when you look at the way the roster was built, it just would have made a lot more sense to go after a point guard. Right. And same thing with the 76ers. For the last three years, they've been grabbing a bunch of small forwards. They, I, I think Mikel Bridges was a better player than Zaire Smith, but I think it was the good move, a good move getting Zaire Smith in a first for Mikel Bridges in that trade uh, for Philadelphia because – they have just loaded up on small forwards. And then now Ben Simmons is a great point guard, and they have Fultz that they might have to move to the two if they want to start him because I think Simmons does need to stay at the one if their offense wants to stay the same and be on the right track for the future. So the Suns got a good deal as well as a win-win for both teams in that trade. Yeah, and I also think I think uh, Philly also had some ulterior motives in that trade in that they wanted that extra first-round pick to go and try to land a big fish that like like Kawhi Leonard in, in a trade scenario. Right, right. And so they – they, they had to give up Bridges, who reportedly they loved a lot, and he was their number one option. They had to give him up for a parent Zaire Smith that they still do love. They, they, they described Bridges as 1A and Zaire Smith as 1B. But that first-round pick was really the, what put, a, put them over on that deal because they wanted to try to go use that to lure Kawhi Leonard. Right. And, and reports say that the 76ers were atop of the leaderboards for Kawhi Leonard with, with all of their assets that they could trade for. But now I think the, the what my prediction is – Kawhi Leonard will sit out next season. I don't think he's going to get traded. I think the Lakers uh, or the the Spurs want too much, and I think the Lakers will and definitely should 100% wait until next offseason to just sign Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard and not have to give up all of those assets. Um, I, I think I agree with that because it does sound from what I've heard. It sounds like the essentially the Spurs want all the Lakers' young players, other than Lonzo Ball, and some first for Kawhi. So on one hand, it makes sense for them to wait, but the only thing I'm like slightly worried about is, like you said, Philly is was one of like uh, higher up on that that wish list, and I just can I'm just like I had this weird vision when I was reading that report of the Spurs end up giving in the like, send Kawhi to Eastern Conference to Philly, and then it's kind of Paul George to 
2.0. We get deja vu with the Paul George situation. Right. They have a whole year with Paul and they're able, I'm with uh, Kawhi, and they're able to convince him, just like Paul George, to re-sign there. And now the Lakers end up losing out, and all they have is LeBron and and those young players. So on the one hand, I'm like, don't you don't want to compromise your whole core for one player and Kawhi Leonard, but I think the Lakers do need to continue to have discussions and just kind of hope that they are able to sell the Spurs on maybe taking one of those guys off or taking one of the picks off and making a little bit slightly smaller package. Okay, I see what you're saying. I never really put that into perspective, but, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, there were actually reports saying that uh, they the, the, Phil, the Philadelphia 76ers feel confident that they could keep Kawhi around and not trade for him and then him be a one-year rental. There were The Philadelphia 76ers were confident that they could probably re-sign Kawhi Leonard to a contract extension if they trade for him. So, yeah, the Lakers might be afraid of that, and that is why they're still pursuing Kawhi Leonard. But if I'm Magic Johnson, I'm honestly going to wait it out if the Spurs are going to continue to want Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, and three first-rounders for Kawhi Leonard. I, I would I would wait it out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a tough thing about being in a front office situation is that, like, if he makes that trade for Kawhi and for whatever reason it doesn't work out or Kawhi leaves now, everyone's mad that they gave up all their young pieces. But at the same time, if he doesn't make that trade and now Kawhi – does sign somewhere else. They're going to Lakers. Now everyone's mad that they didn't make that move when they had the pieces available. So right. it's really like a pick your poisons kind of thing. Right. It's a risk. It, you know, they can't tell the future, so they don't know what's going to happen, but it's definitely a risk. Um, so if that's, if that's all you got there, I was going to move on to the next free agent signing. Um, Kawhi Leonard wasn't really one of the topics, but it's fine. Well, we can talk about him definitely uh, being a big deal here in this, in this year's free agency. Um, so I was going to move on to DeAndre Jordan signed with the Dallas Mavericks on a one-year deal. I was very, I, I knew he was going to sign with the Dallas Mavericks, but I was very surprised it was only a one-year deal. So what, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, honestly, it's just like, I guess the Mavericks, it was, it was due time. You know, the Mavericks should have had him a couple of years ago and then he like reneged on that deal they had and that verbal agreement to go there. So I guess they finally got their chance to get their guy. Um, the one-year deal is interesting because it, it just I, – I, as you said, I'm just not really sure why after all this time the Mavericks only wanted to sign one-year deal. So for the Mavericks end, I'm not really sure why they only want to do one-year deal. It might be just because of his age. Maybe they're figuring, you know, older players who rely on athleticism like DeAndre Jordan after the 30s tend to start going down. So maybe they want to see it – get one year to see how it fits with their young players – how it fits with Dirk, how he's holding up, and maybe then decide to re-up him in 2019. It also does give them some flexibility in that 2019, which projected to be a big draft uh, free agent year, they'll be able to um, go out and still have money to play around with. And ultimately, if they can't find anyone they like, they can still just re-sign DeAndre then. And then for the other side, I think from DeAndre's side, a one-year deal makes a lot of sense. 2019, that's a big year for free agents. There's a lot of players projected to be uh, coming off contracts and available. So now he maybe he gets, sees a good opportunity to go to another team that can com- compete right away and use his services. And so now he wants to be able to survey the field again when the money's right and get himself another big contract, maybe the last big contract of his career that for an extended period of time. I see what you're saying. I, I think this one-year deal was all DeAndre Jordan. I think that the Dallas Mavericks were trigger happy for DeAndre Jordan and would have would have signed him to a four-year deal. I think that him signing a one-year deal was all DJ. I think there were two options behind it. It was he's going to sign this one-year deal and then maybe go to an even better team next year, or he's using the LeBron James route and he's signing a one-year deal 
and then next year he'll re-sign on a one-year deal just so we can max out his his earnings potential. He wants as much money as possible. Or, you know, like I said, he just he'll, he'll test the waters over in Dallas, and if he sees that he can team up and build a super team with, you know, saying another team that's higher than the Dallas Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks aren't going to make the playoffs for the next few years here unless they do something special. I don't think Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr. are going to be able to lead it by themselves, uh, especially with their age. So I think DeAndre Jordan is going to kind of test it out, see if he can't team up and, and get his ring that he's been wanting. He's, he's been kind of – he's been getting teased over in, in Los Angeles. Um, him, Chris Ball, and Blake Griffin couldn't really get past the second round. So maybe he's just, he's just trying it out, and then he's going to go get his ring. So I don't know. We'll see on that one. And then also I think I think what it, it, I, I, I see what you're saying there, and I actually kind of – I agree with you to some extent. I think it's also Mark Cuban kind of backed himself up into a wall because he's been talking a lot about like how the Bank of Cuban is open, how he's going after big game, and how he's willing to pay for these big star players. And so he kind of talked himself into a position where he had to go out big game hunting. And and fans were waiting for him to get hit the Mavericks a big free agent signing. And so I think it's, it's a little bit like what you said. I think they just needed felt the need to make a big splash in free agency. And so that's why they're really willing to agree to whatever deal DeAndre Jordan and his people brought to the table, which may have been that one-year deal. So he did have exactly. That that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, I think I think that that's how it worked out for sure. Uh, anything else on DeAndre Jordan before before I move on to the next guy? No, um, I mean honestly, last thing I just think I think the fit makes some sense though. Um, with Dirk Nowitzki getting slower and like older, he he does need a front court pr- partner that can play defense and and protect the rim, and that's what DeAndre Jordan does very well. At the same time, um, Dennis Smith and Luka Doncic do kind of play a fast brand of basketball, and they're, and they're, they're both – like Luka Doncic is a very good playmaker, and, and Dennis Smith is a developing playmaker. So they, it always helps to have a big lob threat like DeAndre Jordan there on the team as well. And they have, they have some shooters down in Dallas as well, so they can compensate for DeAndre's lack of shooting. So I think the fit makes sense, and I would be interested to see how the Mavericks do um, this year with the current roster. They look I like agree. Great fit, especially with them letting Nerlens Noel walk over to Oklahoma City and signing a deal over there. I think if Noel maybe would have been what people thought he was going to be and and be an athletic young guy and, you know, just a solid center, definitely a great partner to Dirk over in Dallas if he were to move over there still uh, with his athleticism and in all that, I think that, you know, maybe they wouldn't have went after DeAndre Jordan. Nerlens Noel was, was kind of a DeAndre Jordan, if you think about it, but Nerlens Noel was total downhill career with that torn ACL wasn't what he was supposed to be. So I think great fit signing DeAndre Jordan, definitely. Um, so I was going to move over to Kevin Durant now after DeAndre Jordan signed his his one year with a player option with Golden State. Uh, I think we all saw that one coming. Any thoughts on that, Abu? Um, yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant, uh, he, he made it very clear leading up into um the summer and free agency that he had an interest in going back to Golden State. So it's that him going back to um, Golden State. No, I don't think it really surprised anyone. But I mean, all he's essentially doing is ensuring that he's probably getting at least one more uh, championship and could potentially go for two more. Um, because as long as he's still in, there and that team stays healthy, they're still the best team in the, in the NBA and still the best team to beat. So all he ensured essentially is to keep adding rings to his legacy, maybe another Finals MVP and just keep growing that, that trophy case for him. So, I mean, obviously, I, I, I hate how, how much better the Warriors are than every other team, but at the same time, 
I, I respect Kevin Durant for doubling down on his decision and continue to stay in Golden State where he had a good thing. I agree, on. and I think Kevin Durant should stick around as long as possible as long as, you know, the Warriors keep their all-star unit together, um, maybe minus DeAndre or uh, DeMarcus Cousins due to cap issues in the future. But and there was some conspiracy. Maybe Durant just signed this one-year deal because he might be wanting to leave here in the next couple of years. You know, I think what he's doing is, is like I've said multiple times in this podcast, pulling the LeBron James out. He's trying to max out his earning potential. He's just going to do the one year and then he'll decline his player option. And then he'll sign another one year with the player option and get as much money as possible because he knows he can. He's the second best player in the world. He can get as much money as he wants. So I think it was, it was a perfect contract. Uh, great move by Kevin Durant. Great move by the Warriors. Bob Myers is something else. And also, let, let's be honest. Anyone who's complaining, saying, oh, Kevin Durant should sign somewhere else, you get another challenge. Like, it's just like, if you look at it, why would he do that? He's, he's winning championships, winning finals MVPs with ease and a system that he likes. He's fitting in well there. I just don't see why he would uproot himself and go make it that much harder right. for himself after he already – he would just situation. be worsening his legacy if he leaves. In his, in his two years with Golden State, he has two rings and two finals MVPs. Why leave? You're right. Why leave? Exactly. So, not much to say on Kevin Durant. Didn't surprise any of us, I don't think. Um, if he, unless he got anything else, I was going to move on to the next man. Uh, let's move on to the next one. I, I don't have much to say about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant went to Warriors. They're really good. They're going to continue to be good. So, uh, the second biggest signing, I think, behind DeMarcus Cousins is the LeBron James signing. So he was set to announce his signing on Tuesday. And then Sunday night, out of nowhere, I get a Woj bomb uh, Twitter notification with $154 million with the Los Angeles Lakers. And it was reportedly said that the deal was made Saturday night, the night before it was reported and that LeBron James wasn't waiting on another all-star to arrive on the Lakers uh, first before him, like reports have been saying. So any, any thoughts on that? Well, my, my thoughts initially on that are like, I just want to know, so was LeBron, was this whole thing like, oh, meeting with the 76, like having his agent meet with the 76ers and meet with the other team, but that's just like for show, if he already decided, you know, Saturday that he was going to do that, was that whole like a last minute meeting with the Sixers and all that just for, you know, good theater? I guess it, it said it, it really came down to family. It was a family decision rather than basketball. I think that he was just kind of playing the water, just, you know, bringing his family along to different cities to, you know, go to those me meetings and have his, maybe his agents go to the meeting and then him and his family, you know, check out the city, see what they like, see what they can do. It was, it really came down to family for LeBron James and LA was, was a great fit for him and his family. So the Lakers became the number one option right away, I think. Yeah, I mean, and there have been a lot of reports before about like how much like, his, his family loved L.A. You know, there were reports that his son signed to school in L.A. And he had two homes, two million-dollar homes in L.A. So maybe we really should have just seen all the tea leaves from earlier and known that he was going to L.A., honestly. Right. And then all of this talk about, you know, I've been saying about LeBron James doing the one-year player option, but he signed a four-year deal. So he really wants to settle down. Him and his family really want to be in L.A. And he thinks that there's something special there. Uh, like he said, you know, he wasn't waiting on another all-star. It was the right decision for him and his family. Perfect fit. Um, I was, I was, ha I think it really made the entire NBA world happy, except Cleveland fans, obviously that LeBron James went to the Lakers because it gave us hope that they could possibly take down the Warriors uh, sooner rather than later um, until DeMarcus Cousins came along. But, and the Lakers also went on a frenzy. They re-signed 
Kentavious Caldwell Pope. They signed JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, and Rajon Rondo. So all great moves by the Lakers. Um, I was stunned. I didn't think they were going to go out and sign all those veteran players to try and win now. Um, but I, I think great moves by the Lakers. Any thoughts on those smaller guys getting in there? Um, well, uh, honestly, I'm a little a little confused that about it because, as you said, LeBron decides to sign in LA without any other guarantees other star players are coming. So I took that to me, and they signed for four year deal. I took that to mean that he's willing to. He liked the young process they had there. I was willing to watch those guys kind of grow with him and grow into a contender in these next right. couple of years. And that's how I interpreted that initial sign. But then when I, the, the Lakers are saying that they're trying to win now, they go and add these win-now veterans like Rashawn Rondo, Lance Stevenson, um, JaVale McGee. Now I'm looking at the roster, and now I'm just not really sure, are they, are they playing this waiting game and letting the young guys develop, or are they looking, waiting for the right opportunity to trade some of those young guys for a player like Kawhi Leonard? and win now. And now, after that signing, I, I'm leaning more towards their win, waiting for the right deals to emerge so they can add more young talent. I mean, more veteran, established veteran all-star talent. And win I now. agree. I didn't really think of that. I think with all of the one-year deals uh, for the veterans and then possibly trading Kawhi for their young unit, I think before DeMarcus Cousins signed with Golden State, they were in win-now mode. But after that, that kind of scares them. I think that they still have a lot of confidence, obviously, with the greatest player in the world, LeBron James. And he is the only threat to the Golden State Warriors. But uh, I, I think that they, they are in win-now mode uh, with those signings. I didn't really think of that. I uh, definitely put that in their perspective for me. So I agree with what you're saying for sure. Um, and then Rajon Rondo now, if, if Lonzo Ball sticks around like he should, they're going to have to compete for that starting point guard role. Any thoughts on that? Well, honestly, when I saw that Rajon Rondo was signed, I actually tweeted out, so – Lonzo's getting traded. Because when I saw that trade, Lonzo and Ronzo and Ronda have a lot, very similar skill sets. And honestly, as of right now, we don't know how much Lonzo will grow. But as of right now, Rajon Rondo's actually developed into a little bit of a better shooter from three-point range than uh, Lonzo Ball has. And I just look at that signing, that makes me think that the Lakers are preparing for the eventuality that Lonzo may not be there at the end of the season. So they're getting another player who plays a lot like Lonzo. They're both good passers. They can both defend willing, uh, they're both can defend when they want to. Um, Rajon's not uh, that as long and as, as, and as young as uh, Lonzo Ball. However, he does a lot of things that Lonzo can do right now for this Lakers team. So it makes me think that they're preparing for – they're not necessarily saying for sure they're going to trade Lonzo, but now if they do need to make a trade and trade Lonzo Ball, they have someone just come in and do what Lonzo was meant to do. And if maybe they trade Lonzo somewhere like Phoenix, they get another first, and after they use that to entice the Spurs to do this deal – I, I see it being possible. I agree. I think that you know maybe they were playing it safe by signing a guy that is very similar to Lonzo Ball and signing Rajon Rondo. You know, just playing it safe just in case they were to include Ball into any any trades. You know, not like you said, not saying that they are, but just in case you know have a backup plan. Rajon Rondo is only thirty two years old. He averaged a double double along with seven boards and two steals in the playoffs last year, um, showing showing us a lot of what he still has left in the tank only at 32 years old. He still has a few years left. Definitely not washed up. Uh, didn't know he had that left in the tank though. So very impressive and definitely a guy that Lonzo Ball will become in the future and uh, great move by, by LA. A bunch of great moves this offseason by them. Yeah. The, the only, I guess the only thing I'm still, the only one of those smaller moves I'm still trying to wrap my head around is JaVale McGee. You know, like, he's a champion now from the Warriors, blah, blah, blah. But he's still, you know, shacked in a fool with JaVale McGee. Does LeBron really want to play with 
you know, perennial Shaq's a fool candidate. Well, I, I see what you're saying. I think JaVale has finally grown out of that with his time in Golden State. Um, I think that Golden State kind of pushed him out of his comfort zone, got him his ring. He has he has the good kind of confidence, unlike he used to have. He had confidence to the point where he was a Shaq and a full MVP. But I think he's kind of grown <laughs> grown out of that Shaq and a full JaVale McGee type player. I think it was a great pickup. I was very happy that the Lakers pulled him in um, with LeBron James there. I think it'll work just fine. Uh, and then Ivaka Iv- Iv- Zubac off the bench. I, I Sorry if I butchered his name, but uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers is going to be – uh, a great role player off the bench for them. Defensive-wise, he's a big guy. So I think they're pretty set at the big, especially, you know, JaVale McGee, say they meet him in the conference finals, and JaVale McGee gets to go up against the Golden State Warriors, his old team. So I, I think it was a good move by the Lakers. Okay, I mean, I mean, I mean, as much as I make fun of JaVale McGee, I mean, he's still like a seven-feet-tall guy. He's still fairly athletic. He's got long arms. So you can never really, you know, you can't cheat size. You can never really – have it's never bad to have a player like that um, in in either your starting capacity or reserve capacity. So I mean, as much as Javale is you know kind of known for you know his other antics, he still has skills and and traits that make him a useful player on a basketball. Right, player. I agree. Um, so yeah, like I said multiple times, great moves by the Los Angeles Lakers this off season. If that's all you got on him, I was going to move on to the next player. All yeah, right, let's so do it. Jimmy Butler. Reportedly yesterday, I believe, fed up with the nonchalant Timberwolves, especially Carl Anthony Towns, not not happy with these younger guys, maybe lazy, not making it to practices, not working out. And Jimmy Butler sitting there as kind of a veteran guy. Uh, he's definitely a leader on a team, especially over in Minnesota to, you know, he's expecting them to follow his lead. And if they want to win a championship, they need to put the work in. And obviously, Jimmy Butler isn't seeing that. Very upset with Minnesota. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, so I, I love Jimmy Butler. I love how hard he plays. I love how he takes pride in playing defense. And I, I think he's kind of a dying breed. I don't think there's a lot of guys that are that tough and that gritty and love the defensive side of the ball as much as, like, Jimmy Butler does. However, if I'm the Timberwolves and I'm looking at the, my team, I don't – like, some people think maybe that means Cat might be on the move in the future – I'm not willing to sacrifice Cat and all the his youth and all the potential he has to appease Jimmy Butler. If I'm the Timberwolves, I'd rather trade Jimmy Butler and and retain Cat than than move Cat and 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 retain Jimmy Butler. I agree. And honestly, I, I as I said, I love Jimmy Butler, and but I just don't think I'm not willing to give up on all the potential that Cat has, even if it's because if it's just a mindset thing. Maybe that's something that eventually he'll, as he ages a little bit, he'll, he'll he'll change that mindset. And he still has just so much unlimited kind of potential that I really just don't think I'd be willing to 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 risk that. Like if Wiggins, if they were saying they maybe want to move Wiggins, that I I would probably consider and be interested in seeing what they do with. But if for on the Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns is is untouchable. I agree. I think uh, I agree with everything you said. I think you know if Jimmy Butler isn't happy. Fine, let him walk. Let him walk in free agency next year. Bring in another big name free agent that'll possibly be fine with with what's going on in Minnesota. And like you said with Andrew Wiggins, he earlier in the season it was reported that he wasn't happy being that third option on offense. Uh, if if they need to trade him to kind of make things work to keep Butler, I agree. I think Wiggins is nowhere near as untouchable as Carl Anthony Towns, and I think it'd probably be the best move for them to trade Wiggins with how he is reportedly unhappy 
and how they have Butler and some younger guys uh, down there three, four, and five. I think it, it would be a good move to move Wiggins and get some future picks or maybe just a, sol- a solid middle-aged player that, that still has some something left in the tank. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. I think that's what – I think if I'm the Timberwolves, I, I'm exploring training Andrew Wiggins to bring in some more guys that kind of fit Jim Butler's vision and see if that will maybe help him change his mind and help him stay stick around. But as I said before, Carlton Towns would be untouchable to me, and I'll just try to mediate that relationship as much as you can. But if you have to lose uh, lose Jimmy Butler to keep Towns, then so be it. I agree. And so, yeah, not much to say on that topic on my end. There wasn't much reported, but but the fact that Butler was uh, possibly wanted to team up with Kyrie Irving next offseason and um, just not being too happy with the Minnesota Timberwolves organization right now. So I think – Well, also, that's interesting to me. Um, that he wants to team up with uh, Kyrie Irving next year um, because I don't think the Celtics as, as currently constructed have that much cap space. So in that, for that to work, they would have pro- someone would have to probably be traded either some of the young pieces or like Gordon Hayward. Someone has to be traded to if, if, if Jimmy's speak, speaking of joining the Celtics, but, but maybe that's not what he's thinking. Maybe he's thinking that him and, Kyrie go join some other team that's going to have money in 2019, like the Knicks or something like that. And so that means if I'm at least a Celtics or a Celtics fan, I would be loose kind of wary now of Kyrie Irving. Cause I mean, obviously we don't know how much of that rumor is actually true and how much he, you know, buys into that. But I just think that the only way they'd be able to really team up would have to be on another team. That's not, not the I agree. I think Jimmy Butler would definitely be happy teaming up with Kyrie in Boston. Um, and like you said, the cap issues, I mean, Danny age always finds a way, to, to bring in some big names, bring in a ton of picks. You know, if he needs to move some cap around and make it work at the end of the day, he can. But like you said with New York, Kyrie reportedly interested in the New York Knicks, uh, last offseason uh, uh, interested in the San Antonio Spurs. So if Butler were to team up with Kyrie, I think it'd be in New York. And then along with Kristaps Porzingis, I, th- I think that'd be great, perfect for both Kyrie and Butler's career. Uh, they'll be happy and make the money that they that they want because New York will have that cap space most likely with, you know, the, the lesser talent they have over there. So they're not paying, you know, too much money to big names unless, you know, except like Tim Hardaway Jr. They're giving $18 million to next year. I think that they should definitely have to move him if they want to bring in Butler and Kyrie. Um, but I think it, it would be great. Or say they even go to San Antonio, if San Antonio were to have the money and Jimmy Butler and Kyrie go over there. And then next thing you know, that's another Eastern all-star that has moved to the West and Kyrie Irving. So, you know, and either way it works out, I think Butler is going to be happy next offseason wherever he goes. Honestly, if I'm any a star player, at this point, I would try my hardest not to go to the West. Even if I'm moving teams, I'll try to stick to the East just because now, even if you're a good team in the West, like the Lakers, they're, they're going to be a good team next year. But the West is so packed that they might not even be like in the top four seeds. It's, it's completely possible that the Lakers are, you know, towards the lower end seeds in the Western Conference, even with LeBron James, best player in the world. I agree. I think if, if say, Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler, two all-stars, were to team up on an Eastern Conference team that wasn't the Celtics, the Raptors, or the Sixers, then two all-stars being Jimmy Butler and Kyrie on that team, only team standing in their way, in my opinion, is the Boston Celtics. I know the Sixers – I think the exactly. Sixers are up and coming, but with two all-stars – make it three with Christoph Porzingis, say, if they go to the Knicks – I think that the Knicks only only fears the Boston Celtics because, like multiple people have said time and time again, the Celtics made it to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals 
without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. I think the Celtics are the are a lock for the for the finals and the, the coming out of the East next year. Um, unless something big happens where you know Kawhi comes east to Philadelphia, and then that's going to be a big deal. But if it is right now, and say Butler and Kyrie go to New York, their only fear should be the Boston Celtics. I think that they could plow right through Toronto and make their way through Philadelphia. Yeah, but you don't trust the process. I do, but I think that three all-stars compared to a young core, if Philadelphia doesn't bring a guy like Kawhi Leonard, I think that those that New York Knicks roster might be able to take him out. Okay. I, I, you might be right there, honestly. With, especially those, those three together, I'd be very interested to see how that worked. But now with all these players moving west, I think Ben Simmons might be an all-star himself next year. Oh, there's going to be a lot of guys who have never been all-stars before in the, in the East that are going to be very excited to be all-stars um, this coming year. Like, if Kemba, if Kemba isn't moved at all from Charlotte, he's probably going to be an all-star um, for the East because they're just – if you look at the, all the, the star players that have moved from the East now, I just see there's a lot more opportunities for some of these other guys who haven't been getting it before to, you know, get to the big game right. now. I agree 100%. Um, along with Gordon Hayward – and then, yeah, Ben Simmons, like I said, it'll be his second year in, in the league. He'll, he'll be even better next year. He was, he was great rookie of the year uh, last year. Still has the rest of his career. He's only 21 years old. This, kid, this kid's going to be great. He's going to be a multi-time all-star, especially if players keep moving west. Like you said, there's going to be a lot of unknown all-star names that are going to make the all-star team next year in the East. Definitely. I'm excited for it, honestly. I, I as well. Um, now, if that's all you got on, on that topic, I was going to move on to the next player, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. The biggest possible story ever in him signing with the Golden State Warriors. They already had four, four all-star starters. Um, then he signs a $5 million deal. He didn't care about the money. He wants his ring, clearly. Reports say he'll be healthy enough to play by December or January. But DeMarcus Cousins himself says he's set to return by training camp. So I, I don't know if training – I think training camp might be too early. I think if it's the, it's the Warriors' best interest to keep DeMarcus Cousins out as long as they can in the regular season and bring him back to the playoffs because they have no fears in the regular season. They're, they're a guaranteed playoff team. That's no doubt with four all-star starters. Uh, I think a guaranteed one or two seed. Wait till the playoffs and bring DeMarcus Cousins in there um, or maybe late in the regular season to kind of get some chemistry going. And then, boom, playoffs, they're, they're even better than they were in the regular season. So, I think rest DeMarcus Cousins as much as possible to bring him back 90 to 100%, and then there you go. So, any thoughts on, on the DeMarcus Cousins signing? Well, I got two different thoughts. So first of all, the Warriors, as you said, the Warriors are so fortunate that they can honestly – they can honestly not play DeMarcus Cousins the entire year if they chose to and still just have him come in as, as – have him get a lot of time to rehab and get back in shape. Have him come in, not even have to play a whole lot of minutes. Maybe he's just playing 20 minutes a night at that center position. And he'd still be way more impactful for them than the guys that are playing at center these past couple years when they're winning championships and Zaza Pachulia and like David West. So even if even if uh, DeMarcus misses most of the season, is really only playing like 20 minutes a game in the playoffs, I think he still makes that team even better just because now they have, even if teams try to play try to go big and play against them, they can match that now. And they have a big scoring threat down low who can get you 20 and 10 easily. And obviously, he's, as you said earlier about the Achilles injury, you know, it tends to sat players, um, and they're never really the same after that. Even if DeMarcus is not able to re- return to that his all-NBA level, with the Warriors, he doesn't need to. 
And so uh, for DeMarcus's point of view on that angle, it's like a good deal for him because he gets a whole year to, or like a, a more relaxed schedule to rehab without as much pressure to come back. However, um, and, and first of all, so props to Warrior for going out and signing to Marcus Cousins and props to Marcus Cousins for most likely getting a, a ring in this coming season. But it's just like, and I posted this on my page, I usually don't like to say things are fair in professional sports, but this DeMarcus Cousins deal, like the fact that the Warriors now have got a fifth all-star, maybe making the greatest starting five of all time, it just feels very unfair to everyone else in the NBA, uh, plain and simple. I agree. You know? um, like you said, very fortunate. The Golden State Warriors are very fortunate to bring in, in my opinion, the best center in the league and a top-ten player in the league in DeMarcus Cousins. Like you said, they can rest him as much as possible. He doesn't need to be an all-NBA player to be effective uh, in that Golden State Warriors roster along with those four all-stars. But say they were to rest him the entire year, maybe even play him just a, a little bit. He did sign a one-year deal, no player option, um, just just one year. So unless maybe they let Clay walk, I don't think DeMarcus Cousins is going to sign another small you know, another $5 million deal uh, and keep doing that in the near future so Golden State can keep him. I think he's going to want his money eventually, unless they say let Clay Thompson walk next year uh, to be able to keep Boogie uh, on a a big deal that he deserves and that he wants, then, you know, I don't know if they should maybe keep him out the whole year because then it'd be a waste of $5 million. And I don't think they will keep him out the whole year because he'll, he'll be ready definitely by the playoffs. And like you said, uh, and I agree. I, I don't think that he needs to be 100% if he's going to play for the Golden State Warriors. This is the greatest team ever assembled now. I think DeMarcus Cousins is going to come back just fine from that injury, and he'll be just as effective uh, as effective as he's going to need to be with four other All-Stars. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, when I was saying he was upset the whole season, I was really just kind of talk, speaking to how good the Warriors are. But I don't actually expect DeMarcus to sit out the whole season. I expect him to come back as early as the team would allow him to. Just because, as, as you said, this is a chance for DeMarcus. DeMarcus wants a big contract. And rumor, rumor says that he wasn't getting a lot of big max offers that he was looking for. This is a chance for DeMarcus to recoup that, his value in everyone's eyes and show that he can fit with a good team and put in impactful numbers that help winning on a good team. And so I think he's going to try to play as, as soon as he can, and that's probably why he's saying he's ready for training camp. He's going to try to play as soon as he can to show everyone, hey, I'm healthy, I can still play like how I played before, and I can fit in with this good team, and now look, we have a championship with my max money. And so I think he's coming for his max money even next year. So I don't expect him to stay on that Warriors team past this year, um, and I do expect him to try to come back as soon as he possibly can. I agree. Can. Uh, and then a lot of people were saying that, you know, we didn't have any other offers, so it was a great move for him to go to go go to Golden State because he had no other offers. Well, the New Orleans Pelicans actually offered him a two-year, $40 million deal uh, late in the regular season last year, but Boogie declined it, and then the Pelicans withdrew it and said, you know what, you can walk. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins is worth more than $20 million a year, but at the same time, you know, Nola didn't really want to give him too many years and too much money with that Achilles injury. A lot of teams were afraid of that. And then as well as, mm-hmm. as the Celtics, they called up DeMarcus Cousins, but he had just signed with the Golden State Warriors. So Celtics, a little unfortunate there. Could have maybe signed him to a similar deal. And with DeMarcus Cousins on that roster, I think guaranteed finals 110%. And maybe even take down that Golden State Warriors team. Uh, if they had Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, Tatum, Brown, Boogie, all healthy, they could probably take down that Warriors team next year. But unfortunate on the Celtics part. It was yeah, it didn't happen. Right. Um. So, and 
And I think this this signing just makes the future of the NBA more fun and exciting to watch. I'm a diehard NBA fan. I'm excited each and every year to watch to watch games. I I don't care that DeMarcus Cousins signed with the Golden State Warriors. I think that it's just going to make teams more hungry for big name free agents. And and at the trade deadline, teams are going to be more hungry to make big trades. And and I find that very interesting. And I find I find it's going to be a lot more fun to watch these All Star teams go head to head. Uh, to try and take down not just the Warriors, but, you know, the Boston Celtics in the future and and take this ring home. So I think it makes it more fun and interesting than ever before. Um, I agree with you to a certain extent. I think because of the, the Warriors now, that's why free agency has become so fun. We're trying to see who's going to team up and make a team that can beat the Warriors, who's going to move teams, who's going to take a pay cut. You know, there's a lot of different things now we're looking at, different dynamics we look at. Um, in free agency and like in trade rumors like that because of the Warriors. So I think it adds a lot more entry to the league. However, if it's going to be like something like with finals last year, where it's one, it's, there's not even a suspense to it and one team is sweeping the other team, then it, it makes me kind of skeptical of it. I don't think that's going to happen again. Like if the, the Celtics were to make the finals, I think it'd be a lot more competitive of a series than it was last year between the Cavs and the Warriors. It was the Celtics and the Warriors. And so as long as, like, the finals, at least there's some kind of suspense or some kind of intrigue to it, I'm okay with it. And I, and, I, and then I say, okay, Golden State, continue doing what you do because you're pushing everyone else higher. But if it's going to continue to be make finals where one team getting swept and clearly it's just overmatched, I don't, I don't know how much. I love basketball and I love the regular season, but I'm not sure how much the final. I think that hurts the finals a little bit if that's how it's going to continue to be moving forward. I see what you're saying, but this moves into our ne- next topic. I think the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors are going to make the finals next season. They're my pr- prediction for finals matchup in 2018-2019. Um, I think that the, the Boston Celtics are going to match up very well against the Golden State Warriors. Remember, there isn't just five starters. There's also a whole bench. The Celtics are a very deep team. If they're healthy, if they have Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, unlike last season, I think they're going to match up just fine. Uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford is very underrated. And then, like I said, the Celtics are very deep. So I think that the Celtics will match up great. Do I think they're going to be able to top off that Warriors team? No. But do I think they could push them to a six, maybe even a seven-game series in the finals? Yes. And that might be because I'm a Celtics fan. I have a lot of confidence in my team. But I have a lot of – I just flat out have a lot of confidence in this young core along with their veteran players and their current all-stars. They're a very well-put-together team. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I, – I trust the process a little bit more than you do. So I, I, I think it's either going to be Celtics or, or 76ers um, in that finals against Golden State. However, I mean, I think the Celtics, looking at their – from their coaching to their general manager to their players and personnel, I think they're probably the best team to try and match up against um, the Warriors. As you said, I, I doubt they would end up actually winning. But I think if we're looking at – for a competitive matchup, they're probably our best bet as of right now um, in the Eastern Conference. Right. It's pro- so I would, if I had to make a prediction right now, I would probably go with you and say it's going to be Celtics, Warriors, not finals. Um, the Warriors often will win, but I think it would be a competitive series, and I would be interested. I, to see I it. think it would be very competitive. Ka- Ka- no, sorry. no, you're fine. And I think Ka- I think I agree. Kyrie Irving is always fun um, to see on the in a finals show that showcase. He always steps his game up, so that's also another added benefit. For sure. And I, I trust the process as well to a certain extent. I think once they meet the Celtics, it's a different story. Last year, Celtics topped them off in, what, five games, uh, if I'm right, without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. 
And then the Celtics team without Kyrie and, and Hayward went to seven games against LeBron James in the Eastern Conference Finals, in which the Philadelphia 76ers were nowhere to be found. So I, I trust the process to a certain extent. Once they meet my Boston Celtics, then it's game over. <laughs> so that's that's my thoughts on, on the finals next year. Um, if, if you got anything else on that, then we'll move on to the final segment. All right, let's All right, do so it. So new segment, kind of, sort of. This is the second podcast with it. Uh, blasphemous comment of the week at FZBlaze <laughs> underscore 11 said this. Rajon Rondo doesn't lead his team like a point guard like he should. He just passes out. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know if he realizes that a point guard should be passed first. I know Stephen Curry is a different, a different story. But a point guard really is supposed to be the floor general, the facilitator, get the offense going, set things up, pick and roll, pass the ball, keep good ball movement. I don't think that this guy realizes that. Uh, any thoughts on, on, on his comment? Um, well, what I would say is I, I think you touched on it a little bit. I think it's just really there's two different schools of thoughts on point guard. Some people think um, point guard's supposed to, you know, run the floor. He sets the teammates up. He's not really trying to score that much. And then there's kind of like a new breed of um, point guards that when you look at like Steph Curry, um, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook. And then these are some guys that while they can pass and they pass pretty well, that what they're probably – what people probably say they're first is a scoring guard – and so I think this guy probably must be someone that looks at the point guards and expects them to go out and score and shoot threes and do things like that. And no, Rajon Rondo is not going to do that for you. But what he is going to do is average something like 10 assists for consistently for multiple seasons on different teams and getting used to different players and just set the table for his teammates and get them in good spots and have them enjoy playing basketball. So again, it really just depends on how, what you think your point guard should be doing. Um, but I, I think whoever, anyone would say as you said, anyone who watched the playoffs and watched Ron Rondo last year could see that his teammates didn't enjoy playing with him. And he did a little bit more than just pass the ball. And he really did fit in very well with that system. So I think he just must make, maybe subscribe to a different school of thought about point guard play. Than we I agree with everything you just said there, 100%. Um, and believe it or not, Rajon Rondo is my favorite player of all time. So I'm going to defend him, especially on a comment like that. Uh, all that <laughs> blasphemy, I think. You know, Rajon Rondo can still easily give you 10 assists a game, regular season. Playoffs comes around, he plays even better. Uh, he can get up close to, you know, if he needs to average 10 points per game, which isn't a lot, but it's still effective, then sure, he's not going to be a great shooter. He's not going to be a new uh, modern NBA-type point guard. But, I mean, he's still, you know, he's he can still go out there. He can play great defense. He's long. He has big hands. Uh, he's still going to hold it down for you. Veteran guy, he knows what he's doing. He has A-plus basketball IQ. 32 years old, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, still a lot left. I'm going to defend my guy. I think that that comment was just ridiculous and that Rajon Rondo can still hold it down for you um, on any team. I'm with you. So, uh, yeah, that was the final segment. Unless you got anything else, I think that's going to wrap it up for today, Abu. Um, thank you for coming on, first and foremost. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the edition of the pod- of this edition of the podcast. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe. And for even more NBA content, follow my Instagram at the N1 podcast. I plan on publishing my next podcast on July 10th. We're host of the Reynolds podcast. Hunter Reynolds will be my guest. So yeah, thank you, Abu, for joining me today. You're always welcome on the podcast. Um, hey, man. Thank you for having me. Make sure you guys go follow his Instagram at blogboyspod. I think that's correct. Uh, exactly. And make sure to tune into his podcast as well. 
great stuff, great content. Follow his Instagram. Knows the dude knows what he's talking about, right? Very intelligent around the basketball world. So yeah, boo. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up for us today. Had a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, bro. Yeah, man, no problem. Thank you for having me. Have a nice day, dude. I'm out of here. Peace. All right, man. See you later.